0: Aan zee in enkele bui, later ook landinwaarts. verder veel wind... en het wordt maximaal 12 graden. Dit was het NOS Journaal. De vierde editie van de South East Parade staat weer voor de deur. Maar liefst 40 deelnemers uit heel Amsterdam doen er dit jaar mee. Wie vallen er nu in de prijzen? Dat kun je meemaken via de live tv-uitreiking op donderdag 11 november... op Salto 1 en via de Facebookpagina van de South East Parade. Stemmen op jouw favoriete deelnemer kan vanaf 1 november via www.southeastparade.nl. Met dank aan de gemeente Amsterdam, Stadstil Zuidoost en TV-partner Salto. Dus vergeet het niet. Zet donderdag 11 november 7 uur s avonds jouw TV of Facebook aan en luister naar de uitgebreide show van de Southeast Parade online challenge, News, your interviews, special and others. Put into 105.2 MHz and 103.8 MHz on cable. We delight and entertain you.
1: Hey, we also have more stuff coming your way. We have business matters. We have social and educational matters. We have health and healing matters. We also have legal matters.
0: For more information, call us on 020. 020- 368-1968. We delight and entertain you. Voices of Nigeria on Radio radio Brasso. Brasso. Every, Every Monday from to 6 to 10, 10 a.m.
1: Voice of Ninja is right here to promote your business. Yes, your social events, weddings, birthday parties, baby ceremonies, graduation, anniversaries, engagements. All your events can be promoted right here on Voice of Ninja. Yes, you
0: heard me right. Don't know about you because you're not promoting your business. We can bring you the awareness that you need for all those revivals, seminars, special events, conferences, church services, your Sunday services, your social events, weddings, birthday parties, baby ceremonies,
1: graduation, anniversaries, engagements. Call us today Right now at zero six eight four six zero six five five zero. That's zero six eight four six zero six five five zero. Voice of Ninja, your place to advertise. Anyone can catch corona.
2: Corona does not discriminate. Stay at home. Only go out if you must. Always keep one and a half
1: meter distance. Obey the rules. You risk a fine of up to 400 euros per person if you don't. For more information, visit our website. Amsterdam.nl slash coronavirus. Good Morning Show. I'd like to say uh, God bless you and uh, it's nice to be back again. You can join me this morning as we worship the Lord and just express your gratitude, your heartfelt thanks to God and worship Him in this inspirational segment of our broadcast. I would like to ask you to join me as I pray to declare this uh, session open. And Father God, we thank you for today. On behalf of every family, household, we just want to magnify your name and thank you for your... For our family members, loved ones, on behalf of the nation, leaders, those in authority, thank you for everyone. We pray that you will continue to watch over, protect, and help us in all our issues, challenges. We want to be able to stand boldly and to declare that the Lord is merciful, the Lord is kind, and to bring him. Acceptable worship. Yes, you have been good, you have been gracious, and you've been kind in many ways. Take your praise, Father. Take your honor. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you that your spirit is still at work among us, touching those who need your touch, helping those who need your help conviction to those who must stand from Everything the wicked ways. Me, I will bless his name. Bless. Father, we just celebrate you and appreciate Holy you name. for who you are.
2: This
1: morning, we're coming to broadcast into your hands. Use it to touch lives as you will. Bless our listeners and do them good. Reach out to everyone under the sound of my voice their homes, their personal lives, even as you will. We thank you for the blessings of this day and for this week and for the rest of this month. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. So go and give yourself up in worship and thanksgiving and in prayer to God. Perhaps you're still on your way to, to work or you are still resting, whichever way and form and shape situation you are in. You can open your mouth, magnify the Lord with me, and let's exalt His name together. To the Lord the words of this song in the day that the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. And he said, I will love thee, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, and my deliverer, my God, my strength, in whom I will trust, my buckler and the horn of my salvation, and my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, so shall I be saved from my enemies the sorrows of death compassed me the flaws of ungodly men made me afraid the sorrows of hell compassed me about the snares of death prevented me in my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God He heard my voice out of his temple, and my cry came before him and even to his ears. And then, then the earth shook and trembled; the foundations also of the hills moved and were shaken, because he was wroth. There went up smoke out of his nostrils and fire out of his mouth devoured coals. Coals were kindled by it. He bowed the heavens also, and came down, and darkness was under his feet. And he rode upon a cherub, and did fly, yea, he did fly upon the wings of the wind. He made darkness his secret place, his pavilion. Round about him were dark waters, and thick clouds of the skies. And the brightness that was before him, his thick clouds passed, hailstones, and coals of fire. The Lord also thundered in the heavens, and the highest gave His voice, hailstones and coals of fire. Yea, He sent out His arrows and scattered them. He shot out lightnings and discomfited them. The channels of waters were seen, and the foundations of the earth were discovered at the rebuke. O lord are the blast of the breath of thy nostrils he sent from above he took me he drew me out of many waters he delivered me from my strong enemy and from them that hated me for they were too strong for me they prevented me in the day of my calamity but the lord was my stay he brought me forth also into a large place He delivered me because he delighted in me. The Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands, hath he recompensed me. Hallelujah. May the Lord recompense you, may the Lord reward you according to the cleanness of your hearts, and according to your righteousness. Well, in case you're still with us and joining, enjoying this uh, spiritual segment, uh, in the next few moments, we'll bring it to you, the exhortational word, dubbed the miracles of Jesus, to be presented by Apostle Hellerouf Dokeno. Please stand by.
0: you in my life today as my Lord and best my Savior dwell in me, use me, and move through me in Jesus' name. Just by this wonderful confession you automatically have been moved from the old person who was a figure, a tool in the hand of the devil. Now you become a new creature. Why? Because you are now in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away and all done, and the world, all things have become what new. That is how dramatic it is. And because it is so dramatic and so miraculous and very simple to confess, that's why people do not they do not believe that it can be so authentic until you confess this make this wonderful confession and begin to experience the newness, you will not know it's possible. Do not allow the devil to hold you where he held you last night. This is a new day. The Bible said that new every morning is God's faithfulness. God is more interested in blessing us than in cursing us. He's more interested in making you new than in working with you with your own nature. The Bible said, for the Son of Man is come to seek and save that which was lost. He did not, he did, the, 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 Jesus did, did not come for those who are too righteous. He came to seek and save the lost. And for the sake of you, God sent his only begotten son to come down to die, to seek and save the lost, the lost. He didn't come for the righteous. He came for the lost. Now, I'm going to read a a scripture, which is the main text uh, of of what I want to say. In this main text, you will see how God took a mere woman. He took a woman. From nothing or from her her old nature, and she gave this woman an outstanding transformation. Why? Because this woman allowed the Lord to help to change her old nature. You see, if you do not allow Christ to come in you and you do not allow Him change you, you will continue to fall. You will continue to be wounded. You will continue to dwell in a past land. You will never be healed. And by the way, this one time we have come into life, make a good use of faith. You should not allow anybody to undermine or determine who you become. Circumstances should not determine your joy, and then you live a sorrowful life all the days long just because something happened in your life you had no control about. That should not determine all your existence. You have the right to make the right choice, and I'm offering you the right choice this morning because somebody offered the same choice to a woman 2,000 years ago. Until today, we are still in that same woman because she was transformed. She allowed the Lord to change her own nature. I'm positioned this morning to let you know that you can still be who God wants you to be. Your life can still be amended. Your life can still be renewed. You can be who God wants you to be if only you can allow the world to change you. You can present yourself and say, Yes, I'm tired of the old nature, let me take the new nature. Say, so I hear you. Now, in the book of John chapter 4, quickly take your Bible and let's read together. John chapter 4 is a long text we're going to read, but when you read, to mark the interesting aspects of those uh, verses that will minister to you because some other day, I believe, or later in the day, you're going to use them. Now, the Bible tells us from verse 3, he left Judea, that's Jesus, and departed again into Galilee, and he must need go through Samaria. Then, commet he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph. Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus therefore, being willing with his journey, stopped just on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. There cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said unto her, Give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then said the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, accept drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that said to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence then hast thou this living water? At thou Greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank there for himself, and his children, and his cattle. Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall test again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never test. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water, springing up into an everlasting life. The woman said unto him, Sir, give me this water that I just not, neither come, that to draw. You see, he, he wanted it in an easy way. And that's what many of us do. We go to church. We just want the easy miracle. We don't want a change. We don't want the old nature to go. But we just want the, the preacher man or preacher woman to just perform miracle immediately. That will take away our sicknesses and take away our disappointments and take away our old our relationship and give us new ones, sir. You see but we don't want a change exactly this woman wanted the water of life to flow into her she said give it to me to drink so that i come not here again and i test no more jesus said unto her go call thy husband and come hither mm. go and call the husband jesus pointed to her the very root the very old nature that she has been, you know, she has lived in. The very old nature that has destroyed her and made her unpopular. The very old nature of sin that has been eating her up. It is like most of us who have gone to church yesterday, but after we just shared the benediction, you went back to your fornication. We shared the benediction, wow, you just carry your Bible and, and just tell it again and move back to your adulterous life, move back to your lying spirit. Move back to your, your 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 jungle. You know where you go, look look like a, a, a like a submarine engineer. You go back deep 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 into your lies, into into your jealousy, your bitterness. You see, it's like the church has no place for you. The word of God has no place for you. You cannot live a life better than what you are living. That's a life from the pit of hell. Something is gonna happen today in your life. I'm challenging you. I dare you to walk out from that old nature and allow the new nature to come in. Oh, because Christ is knocking at the door of your heart right now. So this woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said unto her, thou hast well said, you have no husband. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast it is not thy husband. He that said thou truly. Oh, do you see that? You see that this woman, she has been living and pretending to be married when she is not really married. Making everybody around her to think that she, the woman, the person he was, you know, sporting with or living together with was a husband. But somebody came to project the part of lies over her and to reveal nothing but the truth, and that truth was worthless. That this woman free. So, 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 we see here that there are some people who have been living this sort of life this woman had been living. You know, there are some of you, you know, you are not legitimately married, but you've been hanging around with that man to, for, it's almost 30 years now, it's almost 28 years now, making all your children with this man, but they never got married to you. So sometimes you just go to the market and buy some fake rings and put them in your hand, no priests have ever been blessed that, neither did they pay a cent of your dowry or your bride wealth, but you see and that that's why there have been so much of abuse and your children cannot know the truth because they met you and this man they are thinking you are legitimately married but you are not, little wonder these kids uh, or your daughters they are 30, 37 and nobody is marrying them because they thought you married but you are not married you say you can't let yourself lose and speak nothing but the truth and look for a man of God one of God to join you together so that you can you know Break that lineage of the old and give your children a newness, so that you can position them that are before the Lord, so that new things can begin to happen around them. So this woman lived a counterfeit kind life. This woman was putting that hypocrisy, making people think that the person that she was living with or sporting with was a, a rightful husband, meanwhile she had had five husbands that way, and this one may be the sister one. This man, this one also was not ready. To marry her until she met Jesus. When she met Jesus, something happened in her life. And those are the things I want us to speak about this very morning. The moment she she met Jesus, something happened in her life. The moment nobody can meet Christ and be the same, nobody can hear the word of the Lord with the right spirit and then be the same. Are you hearing me? I am challenging you to be determined this very day to have a newness. It It is attainable. It is doable. You are capable of doing it because Christ in you, the hope of your glory. Water is so symbolic in this whole story. You see, water is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, a necessary element required for For, for, for our daily function. Water is very, very, very necessary for the functioning of our physical body as well. So it is good for our spiritual body because some some scripture says we are washed by the washing of the Word of God. Do you understand? So what they want, then they want, becomes like water to wash the old away from us. And then send new, the new, the new Christ can. We can put on new Christ. We can put on Christ. We can put on Christ and be like him. And at the same time, in the physical, the, the water is so necessary. Because 70% of our body composition is made of water. Do you understand me? <laughs> now, for the past four days, the weather has been so terrible. I was so shocked when my spiritual son went out to go and buy water yesterday. And then he called me back. He said, "Mom, do you know what? I said, no. You see those little water that we used to do? The water that didn't pack six in the desert, which it's very convenient for people to drink. When people visit you, you can just drink the one-one-one. So he said, it is totally sold out from the supermarket. I uh, she, she visited three supermarkets yesterday, and they were totally sold out. So what was remaining was only those big, big ones. He said, what? So that is to let you know that the sun that was so heavy for the past three days really dried up people, that people were drinking. My own husband, I was sitting there every second, just, you know, packing the water as if the, the whole water in his body was was off, was gone, because the sweat was coming too much. Any little thing you just sweat was coming and coming. And we, 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 we are in the summer now, but this summer is so intense. So, so we are wondering, if not by the grace of God, You know, who is keeping us? Some people are falling, some people are fainting because the heat is too much over here. So, if there is no water, where would we have been? If there is no water to quench our thirst, where would we have been? Do you understand? So, water is so necessary. And that's what that woman was lacking. That woman was lacking water. That woman was lacking something that was so necessary. Physical water, spiritual water was empty in her life. That which can wash and make her clean. She never had it. That which can satisfy her test. She never had it. So she was lacking something which was too necessary for her existence, spiritually and physically. Do you understand? But she was in a place she was in a place which Jesus didn't really want to go. She, Jesus was not ready to go to Samaria. She was just on her way going to another place and she, she started to come out to Samaria because Samaria was like a dry place. It was like a dry land. It was like a, you know, a place that had no water. There had water scarcity. That which is general need of the people was not found there. So, somehow along the line Jesus moved with his disciples and they came to the very well which their forefathers have opened, the, the well of Jacob. And uh, he sat by that well. When Jesus sat by that well, you know, at a very point when Jesus sat at that very, very well. You see, that wasn't the right time for women who are normal to come to fetch water. Because in those olden days, they normally have people come to fetch water at, at specific times. So those who are married, they knew the time they normally go to fetch water. And those ones who are well, who are what, who are, who are, who are not, um, all They also have the particular time they normally come to fetch water. And at the same time, the Jews and the Samaritans, they had this concept of calling the the, the other ones dogs, and the other ones called the other ones. Hidden. you are unworthy. To be hidden means you are unholy. To be hidden means there is, you are unworthy. I don't want to, to have any communication with you. So the Jews, they see the Samaritans as dogs, and the and Samaritans have seen them as people who are not fit. So there have always been this, this conflict between the Jews and the Samaritans. But I want to thank Jesus that he came to break the status quo. He came to not to cause any discrimination. He came to break the barrier. He came to break the difference that which has made us, you know, to view others as inferior. Jesus came to break it. That's why a hall, uh, a repentant hall, can sit with, with a, a medical doctor in the same church, and they shake us as brothers and sisters. you understand? The barrier is, is totally broken. We don't see people based on their race. We don't see people based on their status quo. That's what Jesus came to break. By going to Samaria, and sitting by that well side, and ready to minister to a woman who was a health that Jesus broke the, the, the barrier. Jesus broke the status quo. Jesus made it possible that can come to him. As many who can believe in him as the son of the living God, then he has given power to become the children of God. So you can believe wherever you are right now. You can accept him as your Lord and personal Savior. Are you hearing me, somebody? So this whole thing put in such a manner that Jesus would be able to meet that woman in her name. So now this woman had come to that way. This woman, she is so unpopular. She could not have gone to that well earlier than that time because she has stayed with so many men who were not hers. And the other women, she has become unpopular in the sight of other women. She has become a snatcher. She has become, you know, a husband snatcher, a boyfriend snatcher. She has become somebody that nobody can trust. So she only goes at a time when other women who would gossip about her, who would make her uh, mad, would not see her. Do you understand? So when she went to this well, and then here was a young man, very handsome Jesus, seated, and now Jesus watched what she was doing, and Jesus said, oh, give me to drink. So when Jesus spoke to her, she was thinking, mm, this is another, another client has come. You see, maybe it's time to do away." Well- with the old, I'm the one I'm looking, I'm living with, and then move along with this one. But she found out that this one was just not like the ordinary, the ordinary man who this her because this one was very long garment, and at the same time, this one was surgery soldier. He noticed that he was a Jewish man. And then he began to, 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 to tell Jesus a very long story when Jesus asked her, Give me to drink. Then you look at Jesus and say, Who are you really? Do, do you look at me that me? Who you always call dog. Would I give you water to drink? And uh, Jesus said, Well, it doesn't matter the argument between the old and the whatever, it doesn't matter. You see, it doesn't matter the argument which you are presenting here. All I want is one thing give me to drink. <laughs> listening to me. You see, you may have gone to church yesterday. No matter what was preached, it doesn't enter you. No matter what the preacher woman have said, it does not, you don't even allow them to touch that area of your life. Whenever you go to Bible to Sunday school, you ask some irrelevant questions. Oh, why is the sun so hot? Why, 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 why is there war if Christ is real? Why is there war? One thing. Go and call your husband because this water which you are requesting from me, you cannot drink it with your old nature. Go and call your husband. Means what Jesus was trying to let her know was that you are not married, you've been living in sin. Ah. So, but something the Lord is saying to you. All the nature cannot go when, all all, all nature can only go when the truth has been presented to you. When you are now ready to stand and and hear the truth, eyeball to eyeball, you are able to look at the truth, and then you accept truth, and then you say, indeed, this is who I am. Indeed, you've hit me below the belt. I am ready for a change. When you are able to to absorb the truthfulness of what the Word of God carries, then your new nature will come. And when that new nature comes, it will knock off the old nature. Because the old nature is so small, compared to the new nature that is hanging out and wants to come in. The new nature will empower you, the new nature will help you, will sustain you, and it will make you to recover quickly from where you have fallen. Do you understand me, somebody? That's, that's, That's why it's very, very urgent and very necessary for you to pick up the new nature. I dare you to pick up that new nature today. I repeat again: Jesus said He came not to what? Not, not just for those who are righteous, but He came to seek and save the lost. When you are lost with pain and bitterness, with your friends, Jesus has released His word this morning to save, to save you, to deliver you from that package which have been harassing you not share and to end up because of time. The Bible said, this woman, she looked at Jesus. She told Jesus, I have no husband. Jesus said, you rightly said because even the 51 you are saying, wait, it's not your man. Go and get me your man. This woman said, I have no one. I have no one. The next just there, threw to hit her below the belt, that she ran out of the presence of Jesus, went into the city and got the whole village. It's a sense See a man who has told me the new nature, who has told me all I've been wanting. All of you have been looking at me in this village, and you have been harassing me. None of you have been bold to come to say, is this man really your husband? Only that you've been whispering and and gossiping. But come and see a man that told me everything that I've ever been. Come, 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 come. and the truth will set you free. This morning, I present nothing but the truth to you. Oh, change from the old nature and come into the newness. Change from the old nature, drop the old nature, and come into the newness. In that newness is everlasting life. In that newness is Christ waiting to reveal himself to you. Oh, 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 you can do it. If the Samaria woman can do it, Well, she went and called the people in the village. She called the very men who have abused her. She called all of them who have run her heart. She called them, and they came, and they could see that she now has a new nature. Beloved, that became the end of the story of that woman. And today we are still reading her. I tell you, when you've received a new nature,
1: Phenomenon, which is affecting many nations due to the due to a variety of uh, causes, both natural and man-made, uh, nation states are compelled to respond to this humanitarian crisis, and uh, in their own
3: best self-interest, but also under international agreements. Uh, it can be quite a complex situation, to say the least. In this interview, we will be engaging
1: Mr. plan uh, in a vibrant discussion to learn up. A- more about this organization, his organization and how it works currently. How its work currently underpins the policies uh, affecting how migrants are treated across the world. Feel free, ladies and gentlemen, to join us uh, with your remarks and questions on this uh, in this broadcast. And as usual, the studio number is zero two zero seven three seven one six one nine. If you have any remark or question. If you're calling from outside the Netherlands, of course, then you have to add uh, 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 a With me uh, in the studio this morning is uh, Reverend Helen Rudogno. And, uh, and I want to say hi to Mr.
0: Hello, martin Mr. Martin, how are you? Hello, I'm doing fine. All right.
1: Okay, you can kick off with the first
0: question. Well, uh, thank you for joining us uh, from Belgium. Uh, my first question to you is um, how and when did the International Center for
3: Migration Policy Development begin? And who was the brain behind it? Well, thank you thank you very much, first of all, for inviting me to your program. I think uh, migration as a topic is, is very important and, and that was also the case 25 years ago. When the organization uh, that I worked for was established, so the International Center for Migration Policy Development was established at a time of um, great changes in Europe. You had, of course, the the fall of the Iron Curtain, and you had the the wars in former Yugoslavia, and both events. Um, led to quite some uh, movement of people, both forced by the refugees from the former uh, Yugoslavia and of course also people um, with uh, living in, in, the, in the previous Soviet Union. Okay. So, what my um, boss at, the, at the, the, the the creator of the organization, Mr. Jonas Wikkel, um, created the organization together with Switzerland, Austria, and Sweden to set up an organization which uh, would help countries better understand these goals, also to to improve cooperation between the countries in Western Europe with the countries in Central and Eastern Europe. So that was basically the origin. Um, Now we are um, more than 25 years further, and the organization has evolved to working globally, but using the same principles. So what we would like to do is working with countries so that their officials better understand um, the reasons for migration, how you can cooperate better on migration. We also work together with European, African, Asian states um, uh, to better understand each other, to get uh, their priorities uh, aligned, to see how can, via dialogue, uh, they can come to better uh, migration policies. And thirdly, we work with the institutions in those countries to enable them um, to better manage migration, and this can be everything in the area in the area of protection, prevention of exploitation, but also in the area of voluntary return, uh, border management, and other areas. So that's basically the, the setup of the patient, Uh We came at a situation that they, a form of crisis, and slowly we developed into an organization which now works globally on this. Yeah, quite quite, quite interesting. As we proceed,
1: we would like to, as much as possible, make this uh, topic uh, easily digestible uh, uh, to the Mm -hmm. average listener. So, uh, yeah, sometimes we may want to ask some really down-to-earth questions um, as we go along. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, That's quite interesting. The, 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 you know, uh, yeah, the, 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 of course, the issue of migration is, is a very hard one. Uh, yeah, for this initiative, have uh, in you know, a found place or taking place, uh, twenty five seconds ago is quite remarkable. I was just wondering, uh, your work, your what you do, kind of borders a bit on what I, IOM does. But is there a difference between your organisation and the IOM?
3: Yes, we have we have quite different organisations. Um... First of all, from the setup, we are uh, a smaller organization. Uh, we have uh, now we, we focus our work on, let's say, migration um, in partnership with the countries to and from Europe. So we European countries, but also linkages between European countries and, and countries of, of major destination uh, origin for 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 Europe. Um, but we are also, and that is, I think, the biggest difference. Um, we are not a humanitarian organization, so while we, let's say, work with, co- with, with governments to help them work with migrants, we work with civil society organizations, um, we do not provide ourselves a lot of direct services. We are much more in, uh, convinced that it's important to work with institutions, and this can be governmental or can be non-governmental uh, organizations, in the countries uh, to enable them to better work on, on migration management, so it's, it's, we are that's why we also will not never grow to an organization of, of 12,000 people. Um, so we have now three hundred fifty maybe four hundred people, but we were much more or less the enablers of, of, of discussion of cooperation and of uh, improvement of, of uh, capacities. Yeah, I was just wondering how did it come
1: about that you know an independent uh, organization like yours could like reach out well with other countries as it were because you develop migration policies and stuff like that so i mean how did you gain that kind of credibility exactly. with the nation states uh, as it were if i'm correct you know from my understanding yeah so what what we do is um let's say from the, the, the beginning what we have been doing the main <coughs> was to, to to ensure that everyone
3: who works in the organization is is very knowledgeable about the topic that can be as generalist but also on individual topics. Uh, You know, I do know a lot about asylum or about integration or diaspora relations, so we're an expertise-based organization. But I think most important is we have been facilitating migration dialogues between um, African and European countries and Asian and European countries uh, now for for, uh, 25, 27 years meaning that we have been acting as a secretariat, bringing those countries together. We don't set the agenda, we do not steer everything in a certain direction, what we have been trying to do and what we are continuing to do is is ensuring that there is a platform, um, an informal platform where states can discuss. And as such, you, of course, you work a lot with government officials, you build up a certain reputation. Yeah. Uh, and we are not saying you have to go left or right, you see, we don't, uh, you have to uh, do this or do that. We try to work with the government officials, with, with civil society, and see, uh, and with the private sector, uh, since a few years, in and see how can we adjust to the to the situation with the guard, with, with the particular group of migrants, or with the particular um, uh, countries we are working with.
0: Yeah, Do you have a question, you going to say Yes, I, w- I would like to know, um, currently you say you have about uh, 17 uh, uh, member states? Yes. Now, uh, that are admitted into uh, the International Center of Migration and the Police Development. But why is it that uh, countries like Nidal and UK France are not part of it? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the origin of the… How
3: did you uh, choose? Of... How did you choose those are the countries that are members. Yeah, it's actually, it is it is the member states themselves who so of the countries with whom we work who have said, okay, what we, the countries which we want to become members are basically mainly European countries that might change in the future. But at the moment, that was the one of the the settings that they have great for the organisation to say, OK, as member states steering this organisation, um, we have started with, with Austria and Switzerland, and then uh, Sweden. That is, at the time, they were all non-EU member states. Um, and then the group grew uh, during the enlargement process of the European Union. We were, at that time, very much focused on uh, migration within and um, uh, through Europe. Um, So that also, when you look at our member state base, you see that we have quite a large number of Southeast European member states. Recently, um, Turkey has joined, Malta has joined, but I'm also happy to say that, for example, the Netherlands uh, and Germany are also about to join the organization. Um, It's it's a question of interest of those countries themselves. Do they think they have an added value of working with ICPD, being a member of ICPD? And then it's a process of the member states, the existing member states, to to accept them. But it's mainly, it's it's, it's a self-selection process. So the Netherlands saw that they um, uh, had added value of becoming a member of ICPD together with their membership of IOM and other organizations. They saw that it's an added value, so now we have started the process for them to join the organization. Okay,
1: but this very point, I really want to say, I want to ask, okay, what is the added value for the Netherlands? Is it that countries that are maybe, shall I use the word, or concerned about migration uh, see the need to join the organization in order to either benefit from your expertise or what? I mean, what is it that is the added value that is making, for example, the Netherlands to join now? instead of from the beginning. I'm just curious about that uh, aspect. Yeah, that is, it's always a combination
3: of multiple factors. Why they join uh, is, 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 as you say, it's access uh, and, and cooperation because of the, the, the insights and the knowledge that we have on migration. It's uh, the network um, that we can offer uh, for facilitating cooperation between Dutch authorities and authorities of uh, African-Asian countries. Um, so there is a combination of services, of studies, of policy recommendations that we offer uh, also only to our member states themselves. Um, so it's it's that's what they see now as an added value. In the past, they also saw that value, but they said, OK, we, we do not need to become a member. Uh, we, we we have our own institutions. And, and in the last two years, they've realized uh, three years Okay, actually, there is an added value because, of course, as a member state, you can also steer the direction of the organization. You can say, Well, we would like you to focus more on these countries, on these topics, uh, do more research on these topics. So, and they have seen that, that that this would be a, for them of added value.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would want to submit here that your organization appears to be a very pivotal one, but if, if the States can decide to hook up with, with, your, with your organization to make use of your expertise. I think that makes you very important. And thats a, I would say that's a big,
3: big compliment to you guys. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are happy that we have been growing, uh, of course, recently quite a lot uh, due to the, the interest in migration has, has increased yeah. uh, for good reasons, sometimes also for bad reasons, to be honest, but um, at least the topic itself um, it's is very interesting because I think you cannot go on the street and talk to any person and, and ask their opinion about migration and everyone is is thinking about it. Either they are migrants themselves, they know migrants, they don't like migrants, they love migrants. There is always a, a feeling, everyone has an emotion and, and I think that makes it a very interesting topic and sure. it's, of course also very politically sensitive.
1: So, so, so do you in this case to these nation states who are members, as consultants, you know, to advise on uh, how they frame their migration policies, or what, what is the role exactly that you you fulfil? Because I know you spoke about migration
3: dialogues. Mm-hmm. So, uh, mm-hmm. in what capacity do you go into partnership with these countries? Exactly. Um, look, we we have uh, let's say the, the, the three uh, types of work that we are doing. Um, basically, go from uh, doing research and, and developing uh, new migration policies. So that's basically building up the knowledge base uh, and, and improving uh, the facts on which basis uh, policies are being made. Yeah. Um, then we um, uh, facilitate dialogue. So we have been so uh, there's a number of migration dialogues ongoing, international dialogue processes mm-hmm. where. Uh, European countries and African countries, for example, work. Uh, West African countries in the Rabat process. Where West African countries, European countries regularly meet to discuss a migration. But such processes also exist in the with East Africa, so with, uh, with the Horn of Africa, with with, and with all of Af- uh, East Africa, with Europe. It's a two-process. And towards the east, you have also two processes. One working between Europe and. Uh, the former um, Eastern Bloc countries, as well as the um, uh, dialogue between Europe and Silkwood countries, meaning Afghanistan, Pakistan, Iraq, Iran, um, Bangladesh. We have been asked, um, based on our experience, to facilitate those dialogues. So that's how we then interact. We, we, We bring people together. We work with the chairs of this process on setting agendas. Uh, Now we would like to discuss the prevention of migration of migrants Discuss the situation of unaccompanied minors. We would like to discuss the improved cooperation in the area of return and and, and reintegration. Um, And and on that basis, we facilitate these discussions. And certainly, so we we train people. We, we work with institutions. We work with the with the Turkey the Turkish uh, new migration management Board organization. With it, we work very closely in Nigeria, many other countries, where we work with those institutions to improve their capacities. So it's like that that we. Um, we don't, as I said before, we do not say this is the right policy to do, we work with them to help them identify what would be the best policy to do to reach your their objectives that they have set. Wow, well, interesting. At this
1: juncture, I would like our listeners to know that we don't have too much time for the discussion, so if you're following the program, this is Voice of Niger, we're talking today about the real impact of uh, current migration. Um, uh, policies uh, of, of Europe. Uh, and uh, we have an expert in the studio from uh, International Center for Migration and Development and Policy Development, uh, which is based in Vienna. So if you have a question or remark, you're welcome to interrupt our discussion at any time with your phone call, and uh, we'll be glad to take your call. So feel free to do that before uh, we run out of uh, time um sure the number is zero two zero seven
0: three seven one six one nine uh I, I would like to ask. go ahead, go ahead. I just some um, uh have there been some locations uh that uh, you your company organization, uh, organization uh, cool. uh found themselves maybe discouraging uh, uh, uh discouraging uh, uh,
3: potential migrants not to I think it's no. We were not uh, at all in, in, let's say, in the business of discouraging uh, migration. What I think is important is that migration should take place, let's say, for the right reasons. Uh, people have to have a, a, and of course, this is this is the ideal situation. Where I know we are very far away from that. You want to. There should not be forced migration. There should not be a necessity for migration for pure survival. Um, you, the, 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 the migration has always been part of 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 humankind. Yeah. Humankind, the whole the the way why people are spread throughout the whole globe is because of migration. Mm-hmm. And of course, of course, for different reasons by famine, by war. But also because people are just very curious and yes. they want to develop themselves. Yeah, do business and somewhere else, stuff like that. <laughs> exactly. So it, it is. It is. So it should be a voluntary choice, yeah. and it should be. Um, we always say migration is it, about people, and that's a very simple statement. But yeah. at the same time, if you go deeper into it, and you think, okay, it's about the choices that people make. It's also about the choices that the people where who have where, where people where migrants will arrive. Mm-hmm. Uh, It's also about the choices of the family, uh, of the migrants. Uh, So there's a whole complex way of thinking. And that's also, when we talk about uh, the root cause of migration, this magic word, which is always used, um, it's a very complex issue. Because we say, yeah, you know, of course, they move, uh, people move because they have high education and they find no jobs, or they move because they're poor. Um, Let me see, somebody's going to call. Yeah, hello.
1: Good morning. good morning. Yes, good morning. My name is Bobo. Oh, Mr. P, how are you? Fine. I want to ask a question. Okay, go ahead. I have a question for you. Go okay. ahead, sir. Okay. Uh, first of all, I, I,
2: I, I want to thank the guy there. He's doing a very good job. He's given a good information. Okay. But my question is, if I listen to him, does it mean every
1: country have all immigration policies? If so, why don't we make one policy for the whole world,
3: like the United Nations Okay. Bye-bye. Good question. Thank you. Did you get a question, okay. sir? Well, there was a recent um, initiative. It's a very interesting question because, of course, uh, we had, yeah, last year, we had uh, um, big discussions on UN level on the so-called Global Compact on Migration, which... It would not develop one type of migration policy, but it would at least set um, it has set certain principles and certain concrete actions on which uh, which countries could take to to uh, facilitate migration, improve migration management. Um, this was a very it's, it's, it's a non-binding document. Um, it's a document which contains really a lot and lot of interesting initiatives. Yeah. Um, but even though it was not non, it was non-binding uh, this this document has led to a lot and lot of discussion because we could just, just as there are almost 200 countries in the world there is also 200 opinions uh, on how to best manage migration and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there is there's countries from one extreme to the other extreme. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know from complete freedom of movement and open borders were very isolationist uh, behavior. Those those two extremes will never work, it's always a question of finding a balance. We also have to recognize the the history of individual countries, um, how lines were drawn, uh, how borders were developed, they are different uh, developed in in Europe than they have been developed in in Africa. the reasons, uh, the the traditions of people. So it's very difficult to say there's one suitable migration policy. You need to adjust to the situation on the ground. You cannot say, okay, this is a hard border, as a line in the sand which was drawn uh, 50 years ago after decolonization. uh, That would affect many people who live on both sides of the borders. You have to have a different situation you have there than you have in in other areas. So it's impossible to come with one great migration policy, what you need to have is work developing immigration policy on the basis of, of common principles of respect for human rights yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, creating opportunities. So there is there is um, these kind of principles that we have to agree upon. Okay,
1: so you are saying that based on some of the ideas you had, uh, you, you put before the United Nations for example, so they can from that draw uh, their own Migration policies, for example, that's what you're saying.
3: Yeah, it's not us. It, we were, of course, part of a large uh, group of, of organizations, and that uh, who contributed to uh, to to the development of these principles. But actually, the negotiations took place between states uh, and state officials. So, okay. Cool. Um, yeah. Let, let me come in quickly.
1: Now, I want us to concretely, because all that you're saying is on a very high level, I mean, it's yeah. at a very high level. But concretely, what, what is the impact of your work on, let's say, the ordinary person on the street who is a migrant or will be a migrant you know, one way or the other? Uh, concretely, uh, what is the impact of you know, your work on the average person? Can you tell
3: in a very, very simple term? <laughs> yes, but you know, as I said, what we do is to ensure that especially government institutions have the knowledge and capacities to better uh, implement migration policies. So this can go. Uh, to policies preventing uh, people falling victim for trafficking human beings, yeah. people who fall victim to exploitation, whether it is in in, 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 in work surroundings or in sexual exploitation. Yeah. So we work with institutions and with a government or institutions to prevent that. Okay. But it also goes on the other side. We work with with border guards mm-hmm. uh, and see okay, how do they? Um, work with, with migrants, uh, how do they approach migrants, what principles do they use, how can we ensure that, that, that bona fide migrants can cross quicker, uh, um, etc. So it is, and, and how can we ensure that the, the, the human rights are protected? So these kind of impacts we've had in different countries all over the world. Uh, by working with their institutions. I see.
1: So, without your organization, you think that those visions uh, might, you know, perpetrate some kind of injustice or unfairness to migrants, right? Or moving migrants? Is that what you're
3: saying? No, I'm not saying that I would necessarily do that. I, what I'm saying is that, they are better able to make the right choices um, in some yeah. cases okay. you see that that countries are not well prepared yeah. uh, or that uh, they really try to make sure that they learn from each other yeah. that they don't reinvent the wheel
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah,
0: so at what point then do you consider migration false uh, migration. <laughs> I don't think migration. Uh, because I heard okay. you I had you mention about uh, reasons for migration. So, migration yeah, economic reasons and also forced migration. So, for the sake of our audience who are listening, I want to know. Forced or false? Forced migration. Forced. Forced. Forced force or false? Force? I, uh, I, mean, pressur- I, mean, I mean, pressurized Pressurized, yeah. yes, pressurized yeah. migration. So, yeah. give 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 just some instances on when it can become a forced migration.
3: Well, no, there is there is of course the direct forced migration comes from. Uh, from 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 wars, uh, yeah. from from uh, civil unrest, yes, yes. but it can also be slower. Let's say the changes, uh, environmental changes in the Sahel, yes, yes, yes. Uh, or changes uh, elsewhere in in the nature, which which uh, take away the livelihood of farmers. Most of the people would then move from cities, but if they cannot find place to survive in the cities, they might move on to another country. So, and most. I mean, most of the forced migration, anyhow, it takes place within the, in the region. So it always takes place next to the country which has the unrest. And there is a small percentage which then uh, travels uh, thousands of kilometers, but most people travel maybe 100 or 200 or 300 kilometers. So it's, it's uh, people stay closer. So, so you can,
1: I think you guys are positioned or prepared because looking ahead, the whole world is set for a lot of movement of people from place to place because a lot of the climate change is on, a lot of things are happening. So clearly, I mean, migration is set to right, isn't it?
3: Um, Yes, but for for a whole different types of reasons. Uh, It's actually one of the most interesting aspects of of migration. uh, When we talk, for example, about uh, African migration, um, people very much focus on, on demography and, oh, there's so many people being born, and I always tell them, look, um, the migrants of the coming 15 years, coming, uh, moving within Africa and from Africa, for example, to Europe, they have already been born. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you, you you migrate uh, after you're 15, uh, unless you travel with your your your, your parents. Yeah. Um, but in order to move, in order to migrate, it's not the poorest people. You need you need a certain amount of resources. Yes, absolutely. So, um, and the interesting development, for example, with Africa is if, if the economic development of, of Africa is slower, yeah, it normally means that. Uh, families will have more children yeah uh, so the population of africa would grow but the number of migrants would be lower mm-hmm. uh, because there's not enough resources but if african states and many of them are successfully developing uh, and then moving forward very rapidly uh develop economically very strong the the number of kids uh, per family will go down yeah but the number of migrants might actually increase because more people have Access to resources yeah. and, and have more ambitions. Education will improve. Huh. Um, Their opportunities, both within the African continent and and abroad, um, are are bigger. So, it's, it, 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 migration is not always uh, very simple. You have to even with such a example that I gave now. Yeah. You know, it's it's very logical, but people sometimes forget it. They say, oh, if everyone is. If we address poverty and make sure that everyone has a, a good education, uh, then there will be less migrants. And that's just not true. Uh, it's better for the people if they have if there's less poverty and if they're better educated. That does not mean necessarily that there will be less migrants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's also not a good bad thing. I mean we see that European countries uh, you see that uh, the Asian countries have a demographic deficit. We need to have certain skills which are lacking. Yeah. Uh, mm, and there is a lot of opportunities also for legal migration, whether permanently or... or Temporarily. Temporarily. Mm-hmm. So and, and, yeah. Interesting.
1: You, uh, you guys have a nice model with which you're working to project and to predict, you know, what kind of migration is going to happen. You know, in the coming years, and that is that is quite powerful. Uh, now, you spoke along the line about migration dialogues, which is one of the uh, one of the things, the building blocks in your approach,
4: your methodology, right? Uh, yes. Okay, maybe you can just throw some more light
1: on that three pronged approach uh, to your work, to doing your work. Yes. Yes,
3: well, it, this regard to, I, I'm a very strong believer in, in bringing countries together, officials from countries together in a, in a more informal setting. Yeah. But, um, so that they can understand each other's. Uh, motives and, and objectives. Yeah. And and since the beginning of the organisation, that was one of our objectives to to be a very neutral facilitator. To not say, to not take okay the European or the Asian or the African position, but just to say okay, mm-hmm. I have to make sure that I bring uh, fifteen European and fifteen African countries together yeah. uh, to discuss topic X Y Z, which is decided by, by them what they find interesting. Yeah. And then help them understand, like, okay, why is it so important for uh, a European country to send back uh, 300 uh, rejected uh, asylum seekers? How can it be when, when other people say, like, what do you talk about? You talk about such small numbers. Uh, those people did all the effort to get there. Yeah. But it's politically important. But also to understand what are the interests of a country like Ethiopia, a country like Nigeria. Yeah. Um, how can we talk about... Something more than just very often the discussion goes down to do you accept your country, do your people when I send them back, and how can we have this 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 dialogue on a more mature level? How can we look at investment? How can we look at um, cooperation? Uh, how can we ensure the protection of the rights of the migrants, not only when they are uh, in their countries of origin, but also in the countries of destination? So how do we balance these interests? And I think that is what we are trying to do um, since 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 the beginning of the organization. That's what our member states and that was also what, what the European Union as one of our main donors wants us to do uh, to facilitate this dialogue.
1: Okay, now I want you to tell me, uh, if you compare um, the situation before, let's say, uh, Switzerland is one of your members. Switzerland and Austria, they are one. Yeah. But, okay, the situation before your organization came in with these policies, uh, what's the difference Between the way they were handling issues that before uh, your organization's input and now that they are part of your organization, can you just give in very clear terms the (laughs) difference between the two situations? Is that possible? (laughs) (laughs) I can't give a very short answer to that
3: because, again, I can tell you that both, uh, especially in the cooperation with, sorry, with. with our partner countries. We have facilitated much closer cooperation. We, I can give you an example because, for example, the cooperation between Austria and Nigeria as uh, a very concrete example where, uh, until a few years ago, um, there was not the very, the, the relations between Austria and, 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 and Nigeria were a bit sour, uh, especially with regard to migration-related matters. Um, and then we developed an initiative uh, where we Said okay, yes, we can talk about return, but you have to do it in a bit of a different way. So we brought together uh, Austrian companies. We spoke with uh, Nigerian uh, authorities. Uh, we spoke with Austrian authorities. can we not make sure that uh, returnees who have to who, who who failed in their asylum process in in, in Austria, who have to go back, um, who went into the asylum system, were determined not to be refugees. Uh, how can we link them to Austrian companies who would like to invest in Nigeria and who would actually like to profit from people who have maybe learned some some German, who understand Austria? We, we develop some, we train them, we give them some, some skills, and then they can work in those companies. So it led to new investments, um, and it led to some people going back to Nigeria and, and getting a job. But it, most of all, it led to a different relationship because Nigeria, so, okay, Austria is really interested not only. In to put it very bluntly, sending people back, but they are also interested in making sure that the community, that the communities uh, in those country, in Nigeria, can can also develop and profit from this investment. And that's also why we came now to the College of Practical Skills, uh, one of the other initiatives that we are developing with Nigerian authorities and Austrian companies. It's a, it's a pilot now with Austria. It's of course also open. We are discussing with with Portugal yeah. to do it in Mozambique. We are discussing with with other countries. How can you combine um, private, uh, private partnerships in developing investments uh, and giving opportunities for people uh, in in the in the municipalities where the investment will take place? Um, but also create new opportunities by developing training um, by uh, developing skills, very practical skills, skills that are needed both. Uh, in this case, in Nigeria, but also maybe in the Netherlands or in Austria. Um, and, and that you can say, okay, we can set up a um, uh, circular migration program so people can temporarily six, seven, eight months yeah. work in a European country and then uh, go back home, yeah. work, continue developing there with the skills that build up. Right.
1: Well, it's quite a complicated and uh, interrelated uh, sort of issues that mm-hmm. uh, are going around. Right Ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to the program and you have a comment or a remark, a uh, question for uh, Mr. Plan, please give us a call on the studio line 020 737 161 You can always interrupt uh, our discussion. Um, yes, you spoke You spoke about asylum, like people with asylum uh, procedures and stuff like that, and how to help them. But you said also earlier on that, that people who migrate have the ability to migrate are usually better off. They have the resources. Eh? Now you know that this is a lot of people move from like Asia to America to Europe to work or to study and stuff like that. So so really, like you said from the beginning, migration is something that will be ongoing no matter what, and for different yeah. kinds of reasons. Like it may not necessarily be because of fail. As I mean, people who are seeking asylum, some just for better for education some for work, and some because they are transferred by their company, all kinds of issues are happening. Uh, And I think, of course, it has been uh, exacerbated by a crisis around the world. So I think you guys have got a huge amount of work cut out for you.
4: Yeah, yes. Yes,
2: yes. I think so. I think so,
3: I think so, yeah. Yeah. No, there's there's a lot of work to be done. And um, at the same time, I mean, you know, unfortunately, you know, migration is also a topic which can be easily abused um, in the sense that that uh, it's very easy to to create uh, fear of the other. It can take place of, on a local level. You, know, you know, know that in every individual country, you know it's. Uh, people from Rotterdam are like that, or people from Massacre like that. It's, everyone, if you think rationally, you know it's, it's, it's uh, not true, but <laughs> that's how people function. And unfortunately, in the area of migration, where we have now seen that there has been a combination of creating fear because of mixing refugees, migration, terrorism, Islam, and put it all in one top pot um some politicians have been playing a lot with the migration card and and mingling up problems which are not related Mm -hmm. and and it's 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 a task of um of government officials uh, but also of of organizations like mine to make sure that you you the right problems are being addressed
1: but you're not a politician so when the politicians are campaigning against against, uh, immigration and against people coming in and stuff like that. I mean and people go to cast their votes, you know, they cast their votes for you know, populist and anti immigration parties for example, depending upon the sentiment that is, you know, really high on the agenda. So but you guys who are non governmental, I mean you really can't do nothing at that time.
3: Well, we are okay. We are intergovernment, so we are, the, the states are members of our organization. Yeah. We are, of course, uh, telling them what to do. But what we at least make try to make sure that that, that all the officials working in, in the various ministries um, or in, in agencies like the border guards or the asylum agencies have the right tools and the right information to take the right policy decisions. So there is always going to be. A percentage of people who uh, who gives in to, to to the unknown and the fear for the unknown. Yeah. Um, because that's that's what it mainly is. Um, but that's like twenty percent. Eighty percent of the people uh, are are more open. And of course, we should not hide that there are problems. There is a, there is there are problems with. Uh, individual uh, group of migrants for their specific reasons. Yeah. but like there are also <laughs> problems with non migrants. so there is, you have to just but you have to make the right choices. you cannot treat the second general or third generation, uh, integration issues that that that, that come from the gas worker programs from the seventies, yeah. with uh, um, the problems that, that that refugees who came from Syria have now, and, and throw it all in one whole uh, pile and, and take measures which touch all of them. Exactly. That, that doesn't make sense. You have sense. to you have to target your measures, and it's our role as an organization to make sure that this diverse approach is there and that.
1: Uh the, the government officials have the information and the tools to do this. At this I would like to take a short break and uh let's
3: have this musical
2: break, okay? Can we do that again? You say! Look, <laughs> like can tell them now, ask long as they sustain and they go, extra zeros, they enter your account. Yeah! They are. So we're going to do it one more time. Take enough breath. Push it. Oh, tua kachine You
1: yeah. say, Let's do some dance and let's go. Are you ready? you're listening to uh, Radio Voice of Niger. Our topic uh, which is currently uh, on hold uh, is the real impact of current European migration policies when in a short musical break we'll return soon to finish the program.
3: So the pressure is sometimes so big on individual migrants. Uh, If they want to be migrants to move, that that they are not open for action. Or exactly, it could be there. I think it's an obligation, and I think there uh, the, the caller had a good point that at least the information is accessible. That you know, you can say well, if you really want to prepare, there is easy access to that information. You have been warned, you can be informed. People will still maybe take the decision to risk their lives. Um, But you know, it's it's like even when there was at the height of the the, the, the crossings via the Mediterranean when hundreds of thousands of people left and you say yeah there was of course many people died but then you say well you know on the absolute number of people who crossed and the people who died it's one percent two percent three percent it was still hundreds of people and every person yeah. is too much but uh, let, like, let me the,
1: let me interrupt you here. we really run yeah. out of time almost you know there's a lot to talk about regarding the migration dialogue you're talking about i mean if that dialogue was working well eh? Mm-hmm. some of these young people who are uh, undertaking this to, to, to just, they just this can be done better to prepare them for the trip if they still want to go, eh? or to restrain some of them who might want to do that. You see, I think there's still a lot of work to do in, in yes. the area of your migration dialogues. Uh, sorry, yeah, migration dialogues. You know, to, to help people better. And like, I, like we have agreed in Ask for Migration, you can't really stop it. It's going to happen, whether we like it or not, for different mm. reasons. Okay, so then your work should really intensify in the area of the dialogues, especially from the sending countries. Yes. Do you agree with me? Can you answer that in just one
3: minute? (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's, it's a lot of work needs to be done and outreach to reach uh, potential migrants to inform the population it's um, not only the only migrants, but also their family, and a sort of a risks and the opportunities need to be there. But at the same time, the receiving countries should also create more opportunities for legal migration. So I think on both sides, a lot of work still needs to be Yes. Okay. Unfortunately,
0: we're out of time. And I think we're going to have to pick up this matter again. Because, Just uh, before he signed off, tell, yes. tell, tell our listeners about your, your, your particular no, skills.
1: No, there's no time for that. All right. <laughs> not, yeah, we got to get it. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so uh, okay. my time on this novel. So, wanna well, thank you so much for your time. I
3: think we got to, you got to come. We have to some look. more issues yes yeah. please i can come back anytime you want thank you very much giving me the opportunity to talk with you yeah. thank you so much all right you have a nice day i will speak again later thank you bye. okay
1: bye-bye
0: using... this one is discussing on the real impact of current european migration policies with mr Prim, who is the director of the eastern um, uh, dimension of the International Center of Migration and um, Policy Development based in uh, Brussels and uh, Vienna. Yes.
1: Well, you have enjoyed this uh, morning, I'm sure. Thank you, Uncle Bobo, for your wonderful brilliant questions and thank you for joining us well. Those of you who listened but couldn't call. One wish you a very good day, a very good week until we come away next week by God's Thank you so much. Have a lovely day and God bless you.
2: Oh,